name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. The poet Ogden Nash once said, you are only young once, but you can stay immature indefinitely. According to the Associated Press a while back, uh, Lee Thoss and William Hawker got into a fight over Lee's picking through the salad uh, or through the lettuce at the salad bar and a full-fledged food fight broke out. And uh, there was punching, uh, there was uh, name-calling, pushing, someone even got bit. And here's a sad story about this. This wasn't in high school. This was in a retirement home in Florida. And Lee Thoss was 62 and William Hawker was 85. And though no criminal charges were leveled at any of them, uh, Lee Thoss, the, the young guy at 62, uh, he was asked to leave the uh, retirement uh, center. Story goes to illustrate what, uh, what Nash said. Uh, immaturity can last for a lifetime. We've, uh, we've come to the next category in our framework for essential discipleship. And I've been talking about um, what I believe are some categories that we need to invest in and not just things we're to do to become, uh, to become or to be the disciple Jesus wants us to be, I'm getting ahead of myself, to be the disciple Jesus wants us to be, but there's some categories that we need to focus on. And the one I'd like to focus on today is developing a lifestyle of maturing. Now the goal is maturity, uh, but I'm not calling it a lifestyle of maturity, I'm calling it a lifestyle of maturing. And the reason for that is, well I'll explain the reason in just a moment. The text that we're using is a, is a backdrop or foundation or basis for all the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks and a couple more weeks is Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 through verse 29. Let me read it for us again. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I said that, I believe, is to be our motivation as, an, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Verse 28, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And I said warning had to do with obedience and teaching has to do with knowing God's will for our lives and all wisdom. And then the next part says, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so I'm going to suggest this morning that part of the framework of, of being this apprentice of Jesus is that our goal should be to be mature. Our objective is to not just be mature personally, but I am to help you be mature. And I don't mean help you be mature because I'm a pastor. I mean help you be mature because I'm your brother. And so I mean you are to help one another as brothers and sisters to be mature. Now the word translated in, in the text that I read, mature, it might be translated differently in your version of the Bible, but it carries the attached idea or meaning of becoming complete or being perfect, about reaching the pinnacle of human development in a certain area of virtue or integrity, for instance. It's used often in our Bibles of being a child who goes from being a child to being an adult or being mature as an adult. And again, that's the goal. It's to be perfect. It is on. Oh, it's turned all the way off. Sorry. Sorry about that. I pressed it one time. I must have held it too long. But the, so the goal is to, um, to become complete, lacking in nothing. 
And, uh, and, I, and I would suggest that that goal of maturity is the goal of being like the, the Lord Jesus. I'll, t- I'll mention this text in a little bit, but in Romans chapter 8, it talks about how that is our goal, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, let's be honest. The Bible doesn't really hold out in, uh, throughout its breadth, really, that you and I can ever actually be perfect. And what I mean by perfect there is, I mean, not sinning anymore and, and just having every area of my life uh, to the pinnacle of where it should be. The Bible doesn't really, I don't think, hold out hope that we can actually get there, okay? So that's why I'm suggesting that this part of the framework isn't about getting there, but it's about always striving to get there, always striving to be mature in my life. By My discipleship is developing, this area of discipleship is developing a commitment to always be growing, always be deepening, always be maturing in every area of my life to, to, to become like Jesus in, in every way. So let me see if I can prove my point uh, from the scriptures that God's desire is for you to be mature, for, your God, for your God's desire is for you to be maturing, to be leaving childish things behind and be developing as an adult in every area of your life. So let me see if I can prove that from the scriptures. Here's the Apostle Paul in his letter to Corinth, his first letter to Corinth. He says in chapter 14, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adults in your thinking. And there's that that terminology. A little bit earlier in the same letter, in chapter 13, you probably know this well, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put aside childish things. Here's Paul again to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4. Uh, And you know this passage well uh, also. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles. That is, God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists or teachers, pastors and teachers. Here it is. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into, there it is, that, that Greek word meaning completion or perfection, growing into maturity with a stature measured by the by Christ's fullness. And there's the idea of maturity is being like Jesus in every way. Then we will no longer be like little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love. Here it is again. Let us grow into every man. Let's grow into every way into him who is, is the head. So Paul says, hey, listen, the goal is maturity. And if you notice, if you didn't notice, it's in there. He's given to us gifted people to help all of us help one another become mature in the area of ministry so that, or in ministry, so that we're all conformed to the image of Jesus. We're all just like Jesus growing up into, into our head in every way. Here's Peter. Peter says it in Peter, first letter, chapter 2. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. The author of Hebrews says, we have, this is chapter 5, this is actually from last week, we have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain, since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation. Again, 
You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced in the message about righteousness because he is a, with the message of, 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 about righteousness because he's an infinite, infant, excuse me, not reading very well this morning, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose, whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to, here it is, maturity. There's that word. And we will do this if God permits. The author of Hebrews says, milk is for babies, everyone. He said, but you're not babies anymore. You're supposed to be so much more than babies, but we're starting to treat you like a baby. You haven't developed. You haven't grown up into adulthood or completeness. Here's Peter again in his second letter, chapter 3. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you may are not led away by error of lawless people and fall into your own your own stable position, and fall from your own stable position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow, grow. Again, we can't leave out James. Here's James, chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be, here it is, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And one more direct quote from the scripture, and this is from Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 5. You know it. Therefore, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Same word again. Now, I know that's kind of tedious reading all those scriptures, but I wanted to make a point. I hope I made it. I mean, every writer of the New Testament talks about going on to completion, about committing yourself to being mature about growing in your faith. Every writer does. And you say, whoa, I didn't hear anything from John. Oh, I got one from John too. Here it is. A little bit different though, a little bit different in that he doesn't use the, uh, he doesn't use the word in the sense of grow up to, here, let me just read it to you. First John chapter four. Uh, here's what John says. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is, there's the word, perfected in us. His love has become mature in us. So he's, he's only talking about one aspect there. Uh, but, but I think John, based on that verse, would agree that, our, that God's goal for all of us in being a disciple of Jesus, being his apprentice, is that I, I grow up, that I mature, that I become perfect. And perfect meaning, you know, trying to be at the pinnacle or at the top of my game. And I want to suggest that this is in every area of our life, not just in one area, but in every area of our life. So my favorite verse, my favorite verse when I was young as a Christian was Romans 8.29. And again, you know the verse very well. And there's one part about it that I really love. But here's what Romans 8.29 8, says. It says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Whom God foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his, his son. So God has predestined all of us to this one end. He's predestined us who follow Jesus to be conformed to his end. I mean, to his image. That's what we're going to be like. And, and our apprenticeship now, and, and by the way, I think that's a, that is a, a given that one day I'm going to be like Jesus. God's going, to, God's going to help me. It's not like I'm in this alone. God is going to take me. He says, I, he's predestined me to be like Jesus, okay? So my goal in my apprenticeship is to be 
be working out my salvation so that I'm becoming mature in every area of my life as, as I follow him. So that's the goal. He's going to make me like Jesus. But my, my job and my apprenticeship is, is to be following after him so that I'm growing, so I'm maturing, so I'm becoming per- perfect, if you would, in every area. Now, I want to give you um, this morning a, a few things to help us. I want to start with giving you three convictions um, or three commitments that I think you and I need to understand and then embrace personally if I'm going to become this maturing disciple in, in all aspects of my life, okay? So here are three convictions that I want to share with you that I'd like for you to embrace. I'd like for you to accept and, and receive and just take hold of. Because without them, I don't think you'll be a growing, a growing maturing disciple. Here's the first one. And again, this is, this is pretty much a topical message. Um, you have to take responsibility for yourself. If you're going to be a maturing Christian, you've got to own it. You've got to say, yeah, it's not on Jimmy to make me a, resp- a growing Christian or to, for me to be a developing Christian in this area or that area. It's on me. Let me go back to the text from last week from the Hebrews writer. Remember what he says in chapter 5? He says, I have so much to tell you, but, I, but I, you're not able to receive it. Do you remember why they're not able to receive it? Anybody? Because they were lazy. Remember that? This is because you've become lazy. See, when, when you're lazy, you're not willing to take responsibility for yourself. You just, you just lay back and you, you know. And, and so here's, if you're going to become a growing disciple, You've got to stop depending on someone else, and you've got to say, no, this is my responsibility. I've got to choose to be a growing disciple in whatever area it is. And I don't want to suggest to you, until you do that, you're never going to be really progressing towards perfection until you recognize you are the responsible one. When I was growing up, my dad was a ham radio operator. Back when I was growing up, there, there wasn't really the internet. There wasn't the internet. And, uh, and there was no FaceTime. It's kind of weird. Now you can, I can go anywhere in the world and I can call my family and I can see their faces at the same moment I'm talking to them, right? I mean, that was Star Trek when we were kids. You remember that? But it's, uh, now it's real. It's life, right? But, but back then, there, we, we had, all he had is ham radio. And ham radio was how you communicated from South America, Latin America, to up here to my grandparents. And I wanted to be a ham radio operator, and so I tried. But you know what? To be a ham operator, I had to learn Morse code. And you had to get up to 13, it was either 13 or 15 words a minute. And there's something about, you know, languages, and Morse code in particular, that up until about 10 words a minute, you can listen, copy, listen, copy, listen, copy. By the time you get to 13, you sort of got to be able to hear words before, you know, so you can write it down. And I just never could because here, here's the deal, everybody. I just didn't really want it. I mean, it would have been nice to have a license, but I didn't own it. But when I moved up here and I'm away from my family, I wanted it because I wanted to talk to my parents. I wanted to talk back home, right? And so I owned it. And when I owned it, I stuck with it and I got my license. It wasn't until I wanted it And here's the thing I want to say to all of you, until you want to be that growing disciple in whatever area, until you want and are willing to take and own responsibility for your own development in whatever area we're talking about, and we'll get to that in a minute, but until you own it, it's not going to happen. I mean, I can preach, your Sunday school preachers can, can, can teach you, your parents can admonish you, your wife can nag you, but until you or or your husband can nag you, I don't want to be sexist. (laughs) 
until you're willing to own it, you're just not going to, you're not going to be a growing disciple in that area. Here's my second one. Maturity is a heart issue first and not just a conformity of outward actions or behaviors. Now, I think as a young Christian, I got that. I don't know how I got it, but I got it. God wasn't interested in my outward conformity to a moral code. Really what he wanted was my heart. He wanted me to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my being. He wanted me to love him, and then out of that would come the moral code, right? Out of that would spring forth the desire to obey the Lord and love the Lord in obedience and faithfulness to him. It's out of that that it would come, but it had to come from my heart, and not just, not just me not just me conforming to a list of things that God wanted me to do. You follow me? And until you recognize that being a growing disciple, a disciple whose goal is maturity, unless you realize that this has to come from my heart rather than just, hey, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do as a maturing Christian, you're, just, you're, not, going to, you're not going to want to be a mature Christian. Again, one of my favorite verses as a young Christian was Luke 16 and 15. 14 says this, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and they were ridiculing Jesus. Here's verse 15. It says, and he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of men. But the things that, uh, but God knows your hearts because that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Here, here's, what, here's what Jesus told those Pharisees. He said, you just dress up the outside. But the inside, he said, your inside is just rotten. And, and so, guys, um, so often we as Christians, we're trying to dress up the outside morally, but we're leaving the, the inside of our hearts, the inner life. It's, it's, there's, it's not good. We had a big example of that this week. And it's, it's possible, you know, unless we were to cast stones at others, it's possible for all of us to have a degree of that stuff going on in our hearts. Maybe not to the extent that happened this week, but, but it's possible. You, your inner man, your, your desire for maturity has to come from your inner man, your inner woman. It has to come from your heart, not just lining up outside things so that they look moral to others. Maturity is measured in your heart, not in the externals. So if your heart is mature, if your heart is to love the Lord with all it is, then your externals are going to line up. But you can line up externals in the heart. You can line up the externals somewhat. But that doesn't necessarily mean the heart. It has to start from the heart. I remember doing a funeral for a friend who was a very religious person. And uh, he was my friend personally, and I loved him. And uh, I remember one of his children pulled me aside, and they said, you know, if you get up there at that funeral and you say all these wonderful things about Dad, he's got two siblings that are going to walk out on you in the middle of that. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I'm not trying to speak ill of my friend. I loved him. But it just goes to show you, folks, that outwardly you can appear to be something to, to everyone and not really be it because it has to come from your heart. Here's the third uh, conviction that I want, that I'm asking you to embrace, this, this third commitment or conviction that, that I'd like to ask you to work on, right? Here, here it is. Maturity necessitates that we train, that we develop these areas, that we purposely develop ourselves in whatever area it is that I need uh, to mature in, that I need to become perfect in. I have to devote myself to developing 
that area. Maturity is the result of applying what I'm learning, stretching and practicing what God wants me to be and how he wants me to change in whatever area we're talking about. I've got to apply myself to that. Now, here's, uh, here's a set of verses that, if you don't know these, you really ought to memorize them. It is from, you ought to memorize Philippians chapter 3, the entire chapter. But beginning in verse 12, here's what Paul says, and, and, and I do want to take Paul's words and use them in this last point. He says, uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 12, Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to, make, to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Now that statement there... Uh, where he says, if therefore let us, all, let all of us who are mature think this way. I mean, it's probably, that statement's probably a summation of something bigger than the last couple of verses, but I want to apply it to the last couple of verses. And, and what, is, what does he tell us to do in training? So here it is, okay? And, and I think this applies to every area of life, okay? But, but I'm talking about maturing, being like Jesus. Here's the first thing I think Paul tells us in training. First of all, I need to recognize that I'm not there yet. I need to know, own it, believe that, that, that maturity, uh, mature is the goal, but maturing is the lifestyle that God wants because I have not yet arrived. And even if I have arrived in this one area, there's countless other areas that, that I think Paul would include and say, I may have arrived in this area, but there's all these other areas that I haven't arrived in and I need to be investing in. But I have not arrived yet. He says it twice. You see it in the text? He says, uh, not that I've already become perfect, verse 12. And then he says it in verse 13 again, I do not consider myself to having, having taken hold of it. I'm not complete. I'm not mature. I'm not there yet, Paul says. And the second thing he says to them in this, in, in this call from, that I'm making to all of us to train, he says, make every effort. And here's where I think he's talking about development and training. He says, I make every effort to become what I haven't obtained yet. And then he gives us the motivation why you should do this. He says, because Jesus took hold of me. It's because Jesus... He, I am his, and that's the reason why I should want to grow in every area of my life, because I belong to him, because he saved me, because he's my savior. That's why I should be motivated to want to develop in every area of my life. And then, then two more things. He says, and we don't, I don't live in the past. He says, forgetting what lies behind. So when it comes to training and developing yourselves, you've got to not live in the past. And I think that means two things. Number one, it means don't live in past failures. Don't live in past failures. I mean, I've got, a, I've got a dear, dear friend who was just growing, and I mean, he was just excited, and he was growing, and, and Satan blindsided him. And if you would, you know, picture the wreck in Texas where the trucks just pile up, right? It was like a truck in him and knocked him off the road. And now he constantly lives in that past failure. 
I failed. And he, and he, and he won't bring it up anymore because I always, I always say, there you go again. But he's always bringing it up as the reason why he can't get back on track because he got knocked off the rails back whenever. And I'm like, man, listen, you know, you got knocked off the rails. I get it. But the Spirit of God will help you get back on the rails and you can just go, you can move again. Don't live in your past failures. And it's not just this person. Man, I've, I've heard it from so many people that have just failed the Lord and I can't, I can't press forward anymore because I failed. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. So some of you in this room, you failed really big and I bet you some of you stymied your discipleship because you failed. Because you failed big and, and you, you tripped and you rolled, you broke an arm, metaphorically speaking. Of course you knew that, right? And you've just not been willing to, I mean, you just feel like you're, you're unworthy to keep pressing on. No, no, Paul says, develop yourself. And when you fail, forget it. It's in the past. You can't change it. You can change the future, but you cannot change what's, what's in the past. Of what is, has been done, has been done. Now press forward, he says. But before, before I move to the last thing, he says forgetting what lies behind. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you forget past failures. I'm telling you that. I think that's what he means. But I also think he means forget your past laurels too. You know, too many of us are living in how wonderful it was when I was 20 or 30 or 40 or this great spiritual victory I had at some point in the past or how God was really, you know, meeting me then or et cetera, et cetera. And you live there. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter that you're just, you're not, you're not maturing anymore. You were maturing back there, but you lived there in some sort of, well, it's okay that I'm not maturing today because I was maturing back then. Don't live in the victories of the past either. And then the last thing that Paul says to the Philippian church, which I say to you today, this is how we develop. He says, I press forward. He says, I press, he uses the word press forward. And then in verse 14, he says, I pursue as my goal. So there's this idea of, of action, of pressing forward, of pursuing pursuing maturity. I've said this already, forgive me for saying it too many times in a row, but maturity doesn't come by osmosis, everyone. You're not going to become mature by listening to Christian music as you go to sleep at night. And you're not going to become mature. Some of you are really, you're really spiritual. You listen to a Bible teaching as you go to sleep. I tell you, listen, you're not going to become mature by listening to anything as you go to sleep. You're not even going to become mature by reading your Bible. Is that necessary? Yes, but you're going to become mature when you read your Bible and then you press forward to obey and apply and rely on the Spirit of God to grow you up. And so, so here Paul says, press forward. Verse 16, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained. Whatever you've been taught, whatever you know to be true, you, you should be living up to it. So... Um, so that brings me to my, my closing remarks, which aren't really short, but I got some closing remarks. What area, I didn't want you to, you know, get anxious. What, what area, so here, here's, now, now comes the application, right? What area do you need to be developing in? What, what area do you need to be taking the, allowing the Spirit of God with His truth? What area do you need to be developing in so that you're pressing towards maturity? So you're growing, you're, you're strengthening, you're, you're, you're seeking to reach the pinnacle in that particular area. What area do you need to be focused on? An essential 
And essential to, to discipleship, I believe, is that we develop towards maturity. But the whole, but every one of us is different. I mean, Micah might have to perfection an area that I really struggle in. But then I might have to perfection an area that Micah might really struggle in or that Glenn might struggle in. So you see, we're, we're just all different. We're, we're not all at the same place. We don't all have the same areas of immaturity that we need to develop. We need to press on in different areas, maybe. So my, my challenge to you in these lessons, I want to just give you some areas that I think God wants you to develop in. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just a, I, I often talk about priming the pump in different occasions, right? This is sort of like just helping you to think. What are some areas that God wants me to develop in and work hard that I might reach the pinnacle in? You see what I want to do? So just got a few minutes. I just want to give you a few areas I think God wants us all to be developing in as an apprentice of his. Here, here's one. You need to be developing the area of knowledge and wisdom. You say, whoa, 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 wasn't that last week's message? Absolutely. So I'm not going to say any more than just that. But I have to start there. You should be, I mean, so really today's message is an expansion of last week's message. And, and it's basically, if last week's message, you know, the Apostle Paul says, grow in wisdom and in truth, right? If, if, if that was last week's message, this week's message is taking that principle and saying, hey, let's apply this to every area of, of my of my life uh, and as a disciple, okay? So, but, but I had to start there, grow in, grow in wisdom. But here's another one, my character. You should be developing your character. Your, your nature, it should be coming out. You should be becoming more and more like Christ in how you are as, as a person. I already said this, you know, but, but the goal, I think, of maturity is that I be like Jesus. We don't know what he looked like despite all the pictures. He, he, he I, you know, yeah. He, he doesn't look like all the paintings we had hanging in our churches when we were young. I don't know what he looked like, actually. But it doesn't really matter what he looked like. In fact, if Isaiah 53 is about him, and it is, it says he had no stately form that we would look like. He just looked like an average guy, right? And uh, so it's not what he looked like that we care about. It's, it's what he was like in his character. And so maturity or, or an area that you should be developing in and be maturing in is you should be developing the character of Jesus. And you say, oh, wait a minute. What was the character of Jesus? What was he like? Well, maturity would say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. See, that's, you get it? That's a great example of what maturity, maturing is. Hey, I know I need to be like Jesus. I don't really know what he was like. Hey, well, then press on to find out what he's like. But today I'm going to tell you what he was like. Here's his character. I, I have it for you. This is what Jesus was like. He was filled with the Spirit of God. So here's what his life was like. He was loving. He was joyful. He was peaceful. He was patient. He was a kind man. He was a good man. He was a faithful man. He was a gentle man. And he was a man of self-control. You know how I know that? Because that is the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't even think the fruit of the Spirit is uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5. That's where I read that for you. I don't even think that's necessarily an exhaustive list of what the Spirit does. It, it produces in our life the character of Jesus. You know why? Because in Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, though he, he was God, existed in the form of God, he considered equality with God, not a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became a humble servant. 
So humility is part of the character of Jesus, and it's not recorded in the fruit of the Spirit. So I don't know if that's an exhaustive list, but, you know, there's enough for you to work on, right? So what's your care? Are you maturing in love? Are you a more loving person? Are you, are you reaching, are you approaching, getting closer to the pinnacle of what it would mean to be a loving person in your life? How about patience? Are you growing in patience so that you have the pinnacle of patience in your character? How about self-control? So my point is, my point is, it's, I'm not trying to say this is necessarily an easy thing or a one-pointed thing, but, but my, my character, my character needs to be growing and developing and becoming perfect. So are you harsh? Are you quick-tempered? Are you addicted in some area? Are you downcast? You know, whatever the area is that God might put his finger on, you need to be growing in your character and changing that. Here's another, here's another area that I think you should be developing in. You should be developing in ministry. You should be developing as a servant towards others. The reason I say that is because the passage I read from, from Ephesians says, equip the saints for the work of ministry, service. Equip the saints, not equip the pastors. No, it was give the pastors to the church to equip the saints for ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, growing into maturity with a stature uh, measured by Christ's fullness. You see, there's an, there's an area in my life that I need to be developing in its service, in its ministry. So are you developing in ministry? Are you serving? Are you growing in that particular area? If you have the gift, all of us have been, giving a gift, have been given a gift. Some of us have been given gifts that equip others to do other things, but some of you have been given gifts that just serve. So here's my question. Are you developing your gift? Are you serving? Are you, are you growing I keep using the same words. I'm sorry, I don't know what else to say. You know, I don't mean to just be repeating myself, but are you becoming perfect in your gift of teaching? If you have the gift of teaching, are you becoming perfect? How would you become perfect? How would you grow and mature in that? Well, you'd use it. You'd use your gift. That's how you do it. If you have the gift of hospitality, are you developing it? Are you growing it? Are you strengthening it? You see, you see this, is, this is what God's calling us to in discipleship, to be a maturing person in every area of your life. I once asked Pastor Grant from over at Liberty Church to meet with me for lunch to help me grow as a pastor in my gift of, of pastoring. I was late to the lunch. He said I should develop in punctuality. <laughs> And he's right. Rick Warren notes the marks of spiritual maturity uh, occurs when a believer takes off the bib and puts on an apron. You know, it's amazing to me what's developed since my kids were little. So we had these cloth aprons, you know, and, and you put it on the kid and everything ended up on the floor. Now they're made out of rubber and they have a big thing like this in case you, you didn't have any little grandkids, right? So all the food falls down in the little rubber area right there, helps keep the floor clean, right? Maturity is taking off the bib and, and serving. So are you developing as a servant? How about parenting? Parenting is an area you should be maturing in as a, as a follower of Jesus. Are you, those of you that are parents, are you becoming a complete parent? One who has the pin, it's at the pinnacle of parenting? <laughs> I laugh because I've been there. I loved being a dad. I did. I loved being a dad. I'm still a dad. I'm still a dad. But I loved being a dad of little guys. 
And I remember I wrote out my personal mission statement was that I was going to be the very best dad that I could be. That was my mission statement uh, when, when my kids were little. I loved my children. I gave them my best, I feel like. I gave them my free time. I tried to give them my best anyway. I gave them my extra money, uh, seeking to bless them. I always wanted to be the best dad. But here's the thing I want to tell you. But I also invested in growing as a dad. I invested by taking parenting courses where godly men and women instructed and helped equip me and change me and, and, and helped me grow. I, I took growing kids. I don't know if Ray, you taught it or wouldn't. I took growing kids twice, right? I didn't get it down the right first time, right? So I took it twice. I watched other dads and how they did it, and I admired how they did it, and I sought to emulate what they were doing as, as I was growing as a dad. Guys, you needed to be developing as a parent. How are you doing? Are you, are you growing? Are you, you guys that are in the throes of it right now, are you developing as parents? How about spousing? Yeah, that's my new word. People are inventing words all the time, so I thought I could invent one too. The area of spousing, you know, being a husband or being a wife, that's an area that you need to be growing in. And so many marriages fail because one or the other spouse isn't willing to grow, isn't willing to invest and develop and become mature. You know, we come to our marriages, most of us, especially when we marry young, we come very immature to uh, our marriages. And you know what has to happen is you have to grow up. You have to develop in that marriage. And if you don't develop in the marriage, your marriage, it may last, but it won't be the very best of things. And, but but God, that's not where God wants you anyway. He wants you developing in your marriage. And, um, and so that means things like this. When your spouse says to you something that you're doing is hurtful, and let's give you the benefit of the doubt. You are not consciously doing it, right? You're not consciously trying to hurt your spouse. But, but when your spouse tells you something like that, here's what maturity does. It doesn't seek to defend itself. It seeks to say, okay, well, how can I work on that? How can I grow? How can I change? How can I fix that? Because that's not my intention. We need to grow up in our marriages. That's, that's an area of your life, okay? And, and some, a lot of times we're like infants in our marriages. We're selfish and self-centered. And so our marriages struggle. I have more to say there, but I'm just going to go on. Um, invest in your marriages. So, you know, over the years, uh, you know, Ann and I have invested in our marriage. Nothing like the Coggins. The, the Coggins invest in their marriage every single year. Why? Because they want to grow in their marriage. They have 11 children. I thought to myself, I, I wonder if they, are they the reason you go to marriage conferences or, or is that what came out of the marriage conferences, right? Uh, here's my point. You know, you, if you're going to develop as a married partner, invest in your marriage. It's for a lifetime. Why, why not invest in it to try to make it, to try to make it better? That's what I'm calling us all to today. How about financial stewardship? Another area to grow and develop in. And, and I'm not saying this in context with the church. I'm talking about you are a steward of all that God has entrusted to you. So are you growing in that uh, Jesus taught several parables where he talks about our stewardship over his kingdom. And that would mean the stewardship over the resources, I believe, that you have been entrusted. And those resources would be financial, maybe, or uh, that sort of thing. But those financials, uh, I mean, those resources might also be a resource of, um, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? A resource of influence. Maybe you're in a real influential position. Are you stewarding well? You know, uh, on and on and on it goes. But, but you, are you growing as a financial 
and steward, are you growing as a steward of all that God has entrusted to you, whether it's finances or whether it's influence or whether it's, it's, it's something else? Now hear me out, everyone. I'm not talking about sin necessarily. Hang with me. I'm just about done. Uh, I'm not talking about sin necessarily. I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about maturing. I'm talking about being slack in an area and not necessarily being sinful in that same area. I'm talking about not giving it your best so that you're pressing on towards perfection or the pinnacle of whatever that area is. Other areas might be your health. Another area might be how you treat your parents. Another area might be your work, what you do, what you do for a living. And there's all kinds of areas. Honestly, um, I believe that as a disciple, I should be growing mature in all of these areas. So it's too much for me to ask you today to take every area of your life and begin to mature in it, right? And wouldn't that be too overwhelming? In fact, our minds don't even work that way. You probably, the reason I mention all these areas is because I want you to be conscious of the fact that there are lots of areas that my following Jesus touches, right? Okay? But so here's what I, here's what I want you to do in conclusion. I want you to identify, even as I asked you last week to identify areas where you needed more learning or understanding of God's truth. Today I want you to, or in this week to come, what I'd like you to do is just give some thoughtful time to what is an area of my life that's not nearly as developed, it's not nearly as mature as I think it should be by this point. Whatever it is, you, 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 you acknowledge it to yourself. Write it down. What, what is the area that I need to work on? And maybe it's, maybe it's two areas. Why don't we just say one or two areas that you can focus on? And then once you've identified those areas, and some of them are long-term. I mean, some of them these need to be lifetime development things, right? Like your marriage or your parenting skills. Or your, or your stewarding. Those are kind of lifetime things, but if you're particularly weak in them, they, they might be what God wants you to focus on right now. But, but pick a couple of things and then try to come up with a plan of how can I grow and how can I mature in this particular area? What can I do to help myself become perfect using God's word, God's completeness, his maturity word? Is it your marriage? Is it your kids? Your health choices? Your finances? Your character. I bet all of us have at least one character aspect that we should be maturing in. Maybe you could pick one of those as well. Whatever it is, I'm not asking you to pick yourself up by your bootstraps this morning. I'm not. God has given us his spirit. He's made us responsible. Everything God asks us to do, we are, we're able to do. And I'm not implying that it's easy. I'm not implying that I can do it on my own. But I'm not alone. You're not alone. The Spirit of God lives within you. He walks within our church. He's with us. I mean, he, can, he can help us. So whatever area that you need to, that your private world needs to match your public world, or both your private and your public world need to come together towards uh, a, a more faithful position of following Jesus, what, what we know Jesus wants, whatever it is, Jesus, the Spirit of God is going to help you. But, you, but you've got to, you're responsible. So it's the Spirit of God, but, but it's also you working with the Spirit of God. So let's bow our heads for just a moment. And I know it's really hard. When, when people ask me to do this, it's really hard. So I know it's hard for you. But just be, I'm going to be quiet for a minute and just ask the Spirit in your heart. Spirit, bring. And if you don't hear anything this morning, then just continue to ask the Spirit. He'll reveal things that you can, you can begin to focus on and, 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 and 
center attention, effort on, pressing into, whatever. But let's just ask the Lord to speak to us about where do I need to develop, Lord? Where do I need to mature? Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.